Born in 92 on the block with the sharks. Come from a different cloth. Y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket. Took a leap of faith. I took a chance. Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests. Now let's bring Matt. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 199 of the Decoding Success Podcast, and you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. 199 episodes, like that right there is an accomplishment, and we are crediting you with helping us get there. This is a partnership like no other. Whether you listen to the show daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, once a year, who knows, your support the support that we receive from our community is absolutely unmatched. You fuel our fire to keep this going, to continue finding amazing individuals, to amplify their perspectives, their experiences, their insights, their wisdom, their knowledge, and beyond to each and every one of you. And we just want to say thank you and express that gratitude as we are one episode away from number 200. But let's keep our focus here on episode number 199. Today, we're joined by our friend Richard Cooper, entrepreneur, father, self-care advocate, and purveyor of the cold hard truth. Now, with that being said, Rich is bringing a very unique perspective to the show. It's his perspective which is why it's unique as yours is unique to you as well. And on that note, our job as a podcast is to amplify as many perspectives as possible, whether we align with it or not. And it's not to say that we don't align with Rich and what he's saying here, but it's very unique. And it may be the cold, hard truth. It may be hard to hear at times, whether you're a man, a woman, however you identify in this world, that's totally up to you. And it might rub people a certain way. But regardless, it's our job to amplify it. So we have to let that be known. Now, Rich launched a YouTube channel in 2014, mashing up his passion for entrepreneurship in cars. In fact, it's actually called Entrepreneurs in Cars. If you haven't heard it, you could find it in the show notes of this episode. The original concept of interviewing entrepreneurs and their success rides and share their stories of trials and tribulations that led them to excellence, which is exactly what we're doing here with Rich today, decoding his excellence. So... With that being said, Rich is an amazing guest. We're jumping into that in just a little bit, but I want to inform you about the event that we're throwing to celebrate the 200th episode of this show, which is taking place 9-1, September 1 in New York City. You can find the link to grab your tickets in the show notes of this episode. I really hope to see you there. Would love to celebrate such an accomplishment with all of you, amazing individuals that form this community. But without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Richard Cooper. Rich, Welcome to the show, my friend. Super excited to have you. Very grateful for you taking the time out of your day to have your message amplified here on Decoding Success. So thank you for being here, man. Yeah, let's chop it up, Matt. Thanks for having me, brother. Of course. I, I love your content. I love what you put out there. I'm really curious to learn. And as mentioned just before we hopped in here, we ask the same question on every episode we do. We always have a very unique response to this. I'm curious how Rich is defining success today. Ah, okay. That's a good question. Um, for me, I think it leads me down a path of anti-fragility. So not a lot of stuff can derail my life and what I'm doing. I mean, success to me is also having options, which, you know, tied into having options would be, um, you know, the ability to maneuver, you've got access to, uh, resources so you can make choices that other people may not have the avail, you know, the availability to do so in their lives. So 
there's a lot of those things that are really, really important, I think, as, you know, as far as men go and as they age too. Now, just get, let me, let me get clear on what anti-fragility is. Is that stableness? Like, uh, what is that exactly? Um, anti-fragility is probably defined best the way that, uh, the book defines it. There's a book called anti-fragility by Nicholas, uh, Talim Nassib. I, I always get his name backwards, but you can look it up on Amazon, but he basically talks about anti-fragility, um, as the way that I interpret it, it was a very important tactic for you to achieve in life so that things don't throw you off course. So that chaos doesn't ruin your life. Mm. Are you now, familiar with the book? I, I honestly haven't read it. That's the first time I've heard of it, but I'm very oh, okay. intrigued by that. I'm very intrigued by that because I mean, I've, and I know you have as well, um, just from knowing your background, what you've experienced in life, uh, whether it was in business or in relationships. I mean, I, I've got thrown for many fucking loopholes. You know, right, right. curious when you have experienced that in your life, how did you find yourself getting back on track? Well, this, this so-called pandemic would be a good example of, um, chaos, you know, thrown at somebody's life. Um, a lot of business owners had to shut down, shut down for prolonged periods of time. They were not receiving sufficient income for, from, uh, government, uh, supplementation sources to even cover rent. Like I have a friend that runs a, uh, a gym and he was cash flow negative for about 14, 15 months. Like he was considering just shutting the whole thing down and, and burning it down to the ground and just calling it quits. So like when you're an anti-fragile person, um, chaos will come to your life and it'll make you stronger. So it's like by definition with the book, um, there's, uh, things that are fragile. So if you put glass in like a cardboard box and you drop it 20 feet, it's probably going to break. It's fragile. That's why you see a lot of these boxes mark fragile when they're and they've got fragile stuff in it. Then you've got stuff that is robust, like putting a bag of sand in a cardboard box and dropping it 20 feet. Not much is going to happen. It's not going to, it's probably not going to splash everywhere. It's just going to drop and that'll be it. And then there's the concept of anti-fragility, which basically means when you throw chaos at something, it just gets stronger. Okay. So for me, when I define success, I would define it as when chaos comes my way in life, I just get better. Mm. If that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I respect that. Now, you have a, a book out there, Unplugged Alpha. First and first question about that book is what does unplugged mean? Uh, un unplugged is an interesting term depending on, you know, I was using it. Like there's unplugged albums where it's, you know, there's no amps, you know, guys are just playing on acoustic guitars. Or something. Right. But uh, for me, the process of unplugging was um, walking away from comforting lies that didn't serve me as a man. And uh, it took me a good chunk of my life to get to that point and realize what it was, but, um, it's a really important step because a lot of the stuff that guys have been, uh, receiving through societal conditioning, through media narratives, through Hollywood, through schooling, even through religion, um, makes men weak, incompetent, and doesn't allow them to live the best versions of themselves as men, you know, men when they're adults. Now does weak in, in, in that regard mean men can't cry? What is weak exactly when you, when you speak on that? Yeah. The, well, I mean, you can measure it any number of ways. Um, there's a general softening of men today in the world, um, by a wide margin. I mean, if you asked your granddad, what people were like, you know, in the fifties or sixties, you know, if he's a guy that's still around, he's going to offer some insight, uh, that's considerably different than today. Like today words hurt people, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the day, they would just tell you sticks and stones may break my bones, but you know, words will never hurt me. And they just told the kid to walk away from it. 
or I'm rubber and you're glue and what you say bounces off me sticks to you, right? Like that's how they <laughs> dealt with kids back in the day was basically don't be a pussy. Now it's like they have safe spaces, they're removing uh, certain words from language, um, you know, certain terms and uh, sound bites are deemed politically incorrect. I mean, you could go right down the gauntlet of things, but there's a general and weakling of men today that did not exist decades ago. And that's just a trend that we're heading in. Right. I definitely agree with that. I'm just trying to, I, I mean, I've definitely been, I don't want to say victim here because that might be a weird word to use, but things have definitely hurt me when someone said something to me, you know, has that not happened to you? Um, you got to have pretty thick skin when you do stuff like this, especially, you know, broadcast yourself either as a podcast or on YouTube, but, um, people will say mean things and, you know, it's got to be like water off the duck's back. Like you just really can't pay it any attention. You can't give it any heed whatsoever. So you just mm -hmm. have to let it go. But a lot of people struggle with that though, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I've definitely struggled with that. I mean, uh, people have said shit to me and I'm like, oh, fuck. And listen, I'm not saying every single thing has hurt me, but I think it comes more so from the people that are close to me. Um, in particular, for instance, uh, whether I was in a relationship and I allowed myself to get abused in different ways or um whether it was family or whatever the, it's really the people that are close to you that you know you don't expect to hear that negative shit from or um those nasty remarks from and then you get it and you're like oh shit like that that kind of stung a little bit i'm not saying it fucking threw me you know threw me totally off course as we were talking earlier but um i've definitely experienced that so i appreciate your perspective on it you know um I, it, that's why i love the show it broadens the horizons you know some of the um some of your biggest critics, some of your biggest haters are in your inner circle. It's, it's, it's family and friends and you've got to be okay with that. You've got to be okay with just ignoring it and letting them criticize you. I mean, you can't accomplish anything big in life if you quit every time somebody says that's a bad idea or why don't you just get a real job, you know, cause if you listen to the critics, you're going to be doing exactly what they're doing, which most of the time you're trying to leave that behind. You're trying to level yourself up. Right. Right. Now. I'm curious, how are you defining masculinity, masculinity today? <laughs> you ask 30 different people, you get 30 different answers. But, um, for me, a masculine man is a guy that, uh, owns the optics of masculinity. Um, he's strong, uh, he's competent. He has, uh, combat skills. He knows how to fight if it's, you know, if it's called upon him to do so to defend himself and his family, um, the optics of masculinity would probably the most easily defined as a V-shaped uh, torso, like a V-taper. So there's a golden ratio, which I talk about in my book, uh, which is a 1.62 ratio, meaning your shoulder should be 1.62, the width of your waist. And um, right there, you disqualify probably 50 to 70% of the North American population because of obesity. Mm. Um, you see guys walking around today with uh, female breast tissue, um, basically because they're estrogen dominant. Uh, there's estrogen mimicking compounds in toiletries, sunscreens, uh, tap water, in fact, has estrogen in it. There's a lot of things coming at guys today, which are weakening them and lowering their testosterone and making them more estrogen dominant. So those are all things that are taken away from the optics of masculinity, which are contributing to a weaker, softer looking male. Um, there's a really good book actually. Um, I should mention called Estrogeneration by Dr. Anthony J. Um, you can skip reading the book. I did an interview with him on my channel. If you go watch it at, at Entrepreneurs and Cars, but 
this book's great because it defines every source of estrogen mimicking, estrogen mimicking compounds that you can come across today as a guy that'll weaken you. So those are things to consider that are, that are, that are contributing to the softness of males today. Um, so there's an the optics component, then you got to be able to make it rain. And what I mean by that is, can you acquire resources and provision for a family? You know, for those that you love, for children that you may be raising, um, the strongest males throughout history were always the ones that can make it rain. They could go out, they could hunt, they could gather, they could solve problems. They could uh, deal with combat. If there was a warring tribe, those are all important skills that we've forgotten about, which, um, a lot of guys don't make a priority. Like they'll make a priority of getting the new, uh, PS five and leveling up their avatar you know, in a virtual world, but that doesn't count in the real world. It doesn't really solve too many problems for you as a guy. Right. I mean, there's really a lot to talk about there, but it, it's, it's really like, it boils down to looks, you know, you look the part money, you know how to make it rain. You can acquire resources. You can solve problems with that. Um, being able to navigate life, you know, some guys might call this game, you know, being able to have game in your life so that you know how to deal with business transactions with women in your life and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, status is really important too nowadays. It wasn't so important 50, 60 years ago, but with the advent of social media and, oh, look, you know, there's blue check marks now, and that makes this person stand out from the crowd sort of thing. 100,000 followers, a million followers. So status has some bearing on it as well today, unfortunately. Now, how would you feel or what's your take, your perspective on someone rebuttaling to that and saying everything you name there is externally focused? And listen, I agree with a lot of what you just mentioned. So I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Um, you know, well, what's your take or perspective if someone says, well, Rich, everything you just named is essentially externally focused and not necessarily internally? doesn't matter what their opinion is or, you know, people's opinions of my views don't matter to me. They haven't mattered sure. to me for a long time. I know it's fact and I know what people respond to. So that's what I talk about. If you don't like it, Hey, uh, if you have a problem with the facts, the problem isn't with the facts, right? Um, the thing is, is that when you talk of like, when you have these conversations, you're going to get people that are going to point and sputter and they're going to say, well, that's the very definition of toxic masculinity or um, you know, why can't we just be more inclusive? Why can't we blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. Women today and have been for millions of years, always looked as, looked at men as success objects. Okay. I'm gonna say that again, women throughout history and even today still look at men as success objects. It's incumbent upon men to make something out of themselves. They have to, if they don't, then they're probably never going to pass or seed down through history. And they're an evolutionary dead end. Women only choose to mate and be with top shelf men. So uh, let's go down that, let's go down that path of relationships and women, because I have many questions in regards to that. Uh, firstly would be, what are the top three quote unquote, watch out for's when dating women? Um, I'd have a hard time narrowing it down to three. I think the best. Um, way to look at it is I have a chapter in my book on 20 red flags. Okay. And I mean, there's not, I mean, there's probably not one on there that is, is, is more important than the other. Like those would be the main ones that I've come across in the last few years during my time, uh, consulting with guys and helping them level up in life. Um, but I mean, if I could take three out of that list and, and give it to your listeners right now, the, right now, the podcast, I'd say definitely stay away from violent women. So okay. 
she shoves, she punches you, she throws things at you. Uh, she, you know, she initiates violent encounters. Um, you're screwed as a guy today. If you get called on a DV call from the police and they come up to your house, that's a domestic violence call. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're like, even if she starts the whole thing, you're going to be the one that's going to be dragged away in cuffs nine times out of 10, unless you've got video evidence or some kind of proof that she was at you the whole time, throwing things at you, hitting you, smacking you. So violent women should be avoided at all costs. The very first instance of any kind of violence that you come across as a guy from a woman should be grounds for immediate termination of that relationship. No questions asked. You're done. She's out. That's it. You should have a zero tolerance policy for that. So there's that. Um, let's go to something a little bit more controversial because I don't think too many people would argue with violence, right? Uh, uh, let's go with women that keep guys from their past around. Okay. Which is one of the 20 red flags. So there's a social narrative today where, you know, guys and girls can be friends and there's a lot of women today that will keep exes around from their past and they'll have lunch with them or coffee or maybe there's, you know, Kevin from sales that she hangs out with from time to time as she starts talking to you about it, stuff like that. And realistically women with boyfriends shouldn't be behaving that way. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, people will say, well, you know, if you have a Lamborghini, you just lock it up in the garage and that'll be adding it safe. Yeah, that's right. And that's why guys don't park these cars in, you know, bad neighborhoods, leaving them unlocked. Cause at some point you're inviting some problem to happen. <laughs> this is where, right. this is where the woke will say, well, you, you know, you're treating her like an, an object, like you own her, like she's a piece of property, like she's a car. It's like, no, uh, <laughs> women like attention from guys. I mean, there's no question about that. I don't think anybody would argue with that, but at the end of the day, if, if she's seeking attention from other men that aren't you, that's probably going to end badly. There's an old saying, um, something along the lines of nobody bangs more girlfriends and wives than he's just a friend. But when you <laughs> think about it, you could argue it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Um, I'm curious to learn what do you feel like is the major major difference between rich of today and rich of um, the past, meaning rich in a uh, relationship with your with your ex-wife and your most recent relationship that you talk about on your on your show quite often. Um, the biggest difference is probably, you know, the unplugging component of it. Um, yeah. I've never really had a hard time with women in my past. I'm a pretty good looking guy. I'm tall and strong. I've always had more of an alpha frame in my life, but I was plugged into lies. Lies like become less so she can become more, you know, mm -hmm. uh, men and women are equal. You know, you should find an equal partner, da, 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 all these sorts of things. And, you know, a lot of those things I talk about in full detail in my book to explain why, but, um, women really don't want to be with an equal partner as defined in the social narrative. They want to look up to a giant. They want to be some, they want to be with somebody that they admire. Okay. Um, men and women are complimentary. And if you let them be complimentary to one another, rather than, you know, deal with all the conflict that we hear today publicly between men and women, you can actually have a pretty good relationship with them, right? Like I have a great relationship, a lot better than I have in the past because I've unplugged from the comforting lies and I subscribe to some uncomfortable truths and some of those things are actually beneficial to women, you know, believe it or not, like chase excellence. Like I tell guys all the time, chase excellence, not women. What does that mean? Well, don't rest on your laurels. If 
you know, you're making, you know, $90,000 a year as a 30 year old, that's probably not going to be good enough as a 40 year old in a marriage with a wife and kids that you got to take care of. You've got to continue to put like a little bit of a dent in the universe, level yourself up, make more money, you know, have more impact, have more social influence. All of these things are really, really important. Now you, you just brought something up. What is the difference between a nice guy and a gentleman? Um, well, let's go this way. Let's go nice guy and a kind man. Okay. Okay. I'm a, I'm a kind man, but I'm not a nice guy. Okay. Nice okay. guys get destroyed. Nice guys get destroyed in relationships. Nice guys get destroyed in family court. Um, one of the places where guys often try to be the most chivalrous and the nice guy is going through the divorce machine, thinking that that's going to win him favors and they usually get destroyed. There's actually a really good book by Dr. Robert Glover called No More Mr. Nice Guy, which is a good starting point on that concept. Mm. Now, would you consider opening a car door, pulling out a seat? Is, is that considered nice guy or is that considered kind guy? No, that's being a gentleman. That's being a gentleman. Okay. Yeah. Now, no, you wouldn't do that if she's not a feminine beauty either, right? Like if she's not in your frame, she's not complimenting your life, you know, if she's a if she's a constant focus to your life, if she's naggy and whiny, if she's dragging you down and sucking the energy out of you, you shouldn't be opening car, you know, car doors for women like that. Right. Yeah. I, I've learned that lesson the hard way, Rich. I, I gotta, I gotta keep it real. Uh, definitely learned that the hard way, but I'm curious, what is making your current relationship successful? If I could define it to one word, I'd say frame. And that's, um, holding the frame in the relationship, you know? basically leading it. She's in my frame. She's a compliment to my life. She's not the focus. She's a wonderful woman. Um, and I, of course, add value to her life as well. So there's that synergy, you know, when you compliment a woman's life, she should be doing the same to you as well. It shouldn't be a one-way street where it's all take over to her. Right. Agree. How, how do you identify it to be symbiotic without getting too far into that relationship? Cause you can find yourself in, you know, a marriage per se. And then yeah. like, oh fuck like this, this is draining the fuck out of me. That's a good question. So I have, um, I mean, like you could test women, you know, like women love testing men. So I don't think there's anything wrong with men testing women. Agreed. Um, you could early on dating, um, let's say you're a few dates in and she's coming over to your place and you know, maybe you're ordering dinner or making some, you know, making something, uh, you know, you could say to her, you know, it's a hot day out, really fancy, a score McFlurry from McDonald's, you know, can you do me a favor, pick one of those up or, you know, send her over to the liquor store to pick up a bottle of wine, something, a task, you know, something simple. Um, a woman's going to comply with that and be eager to go ahead and do that for you because, you know, she's a compliment to your life. She's in your frame. She digs your vibe. You know, she looks at you as her best option. She sees you as a giant. So she's going to be willing to do that. Women will only push back on those narratives when they don't see you as their best. You know, that's when they're going to start, you know, with the, I don't do anything for no man and that sort of thing and start, you know tearing you up and down and ripping the strip out of you to which you should not even bother with women like that. You should cut them off and move on. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? I, I know you get a million and one questions on your show. So I'm curious, what's something that you wish more people would ask and how would you answer that? What's the question I wish more people would ask me? Um, more along the lines of creating wealth. Okay. Uh, a lot of guys will ask questions like, how do I get the girls? Right. That's usually what they spend most of their focus on. Um, they should be asking questions along the lines of, um, the optics of masculinity and strength as a guy, um, as well, I believe, but 
the thing that they focus the most time on is, is girls. Like, why did she ghost me? What, you know, uh, why did she go and bang that other guy? Da, 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 like stuff like that. And that's, I mean, those, those problems for the most part kind of solve themselves. If you've got bank and you've also got a strong masculine frame that you live in, right? You don't live in a feminine type of weak, high, you know, like high E, low T, you know, sort of frame. Right. Um, but guys tend to focus on the wrong things. Like I have this, I have this, um, coaching client that I'm working on, you know, with the next probably six to seven months guy makes $300,000 a year, but he's like the Pillsbury Doughboy, right? He's, he's just fat. He's got, you know, I had him benchmark everything, right? Height, weight, take photographs. Like he's got female breasts literally as a 30 year old guy and he's losing his hair at the same time. And it's like, okay, well. We really have to deal with, deal with the optics of what you look like, because his main goal is how do I find a wife? Like, what do I, how do I find wife stock? And it's like, if you, if you lead with money, if you lead with your wealth, if you lead with the $300,000 that you make a, a year, you're basically lead, leading with what's called beta bucks. Um, and she's just going to treat you like an ATM. She has to have what I call a genuine burning desire for you. And I have an entire chapter in my book on that topic. Um, and if she doesn't, guess what, buddy? Uh, it's probably high probability you're going to end up in a divorce and she's going to walk away taking the kids and half your wealth. So, you know, dealing with the, with the optics of masculinity, strength, you know, understanding more than just making money uh, and, you know, the game component of life, which is, you know, how do you live this life? Like, how do you navigate this game of life when it comes to relationships with friends, with women, with business, if you're an entrepreneur, with your employer, if you're an employee, stuff like that. Like these are all really important things to look at. Right. That, that actually ties it very well with what you said earlier in regards to like chasing excellence versus chasing women. Um, so I'm curious, what are, if you can put it into like top three, top five things for building wealth, what are they? Number one would be an entrepreneur without a question. It's not learn how to trade Forex. It's not how to make money in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. The number one way to create wealth, proper wealth that, that you have control of in your life is to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Now, do you feel like everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur? Do you think that's a no. thing? Is it? No. Yeah. Agreed. No. I mean, I think, I think there's nurture and there's nature. Um, I, I certainly didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. Both of my parents worked, you know, as employees and, um, my dad tried to start a couple of businesses when I was a kid and he never really went anywhere. Um, so there's also, you know, that nurture component of, and if you really want to learn it, if you really want to go looking for the answers on, on these things, you can go out doing the work and I'm sure you'll find it. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's that nature nurture question too. Now, what was it that led you down that entrepreneurial path? They, I mean, you didn't grow up in it per se. So I'm curious, like, what was it that came over you that said, all right, cool, Rich, go do this. I got a, um, a package around the age of 30. Uh, about two weeks after I moved into my first house, had a big mortgage and I didn't see, I didn't see any kind of long-term opportunity playing the game of an employee any further. Um, you know, there's a ceiling cap on how much money you could make. There's a cap on your flexibility. Um, you're basically lining somebody else's pocket with gold, you know, when you're doing that. And I don't think that's the best way to operate, although it can be a good way for many guys to live their lives and they could be, you know, ultimately satisfied with it. But for me personally, like I need to be in the driver's seat. I gotta, I gotta be in the driver's seat of the bus and I might have employees on as a passenger. I might have contractors, you know, assisting me along the way, but it's me leading, 
right? And I need to be in that position. Like I enjoy that. It's, it's, it's how I get my fulfillment. Um, and I've never looked back since, I mean, I'm, I'm close to 50 and I started doing this at 30 on my own. I mean, arguably I did some of this stuff in my teen years. Like I had a, a couple of small businesses with myself or a couple of friends when I was in my teen years and we made a little bit of money here and there. So we always wanted to try to solve problems and do something. Um, which by the way, is the most important skill that you have to have as an entrepreneur is the ability to solve problems. So on top of solving problems, what do you feel like are the other characteristics or attributes that have made you successful as an entrepreneur? Being utterly relentless, being able to solve problems would be number one. Number two would be being relentless in an intelligent way, right? Cause you see guys that start up a business that they think is a business and it's never making money, but it's really just a hobby and they should really just take that thing around, you know, behind the barn and beat it with a stick and bury it six feet under and call it a day and move on to something else. Um, but yeah, those would be the two main things is making sure that you're intelligent with your time and that you're able to solve problems that produce, uh, wealth, you know, which will produce money for you. Is relentless something that you're able to build or is it something that's just ingrained in your DNA? I think it's nature nurture again, you know, you can okay. throw a couple of those ingredients in there and do wealth. Um, there's a really good book by Tim S. Grover called relentless. And he talks about his time, uh, working with, um, NBA stars and the level of commitment these guys have to their craft. You've got to apply that in your life. Most people don't really have the gumption to be that committed to what it is that they're trying to do. That's why, you know, when I say you've got to be relentless, you've got to be able to solve those problems and, um, you know, make something out of those complications, you know, make the obstacle the way. Now you mentioned books quite a few times and you referenced quite a few books. I'm curious, what do you feel like has been the book that has changed your life the most? The book that's changed my life the most, um, probably be a toss up between Robert Greene's 48 laws of power and Rollo Tomasi's the rational male. Rational okay. male is more about women. Uh, 48 laws of power is more about living your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's respectable. I love that. Now in regards to your book, if an individual picks it up after hearing this and it can only take away one thing from the book, what would you want that one thing to be and why? Um, if it had to be one thing, I'd probably say do the work, meaning don't sit there on the sidelines, just reading content, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts and never doing anything with that knowledge. Actually get on the ice, stop being a spectator and start trying to score goals. Respect that. I definitely respect it. Now, Rich, on the way out of these interviews, I know I need to let you go in a few on the way out of these interviews, I asked a few questions. Um, the first one being, what's a piece of advice you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time? A piece of advice that was given to me that proved to be true over time. Something that you didn't want to hear though. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of those conversations we could have, um, uh, listening to your gut, you know, if I can be honest, probably paying attention to what your intuition says mm. and more often than not in my life anyway, it's been right. And anytime I've not listened to it and I've zigged when I should have listened to it and zagged, um, there's some consequences. Sometimes there are financial consequences. Sometimes it's heartbreak. Sometimes it's something else, but there's, but there's consequences that almost always follow that. So, um, paying attention to your intuition, I think is really important. How did you know it was your intuition speaking to you? It's like a little voice, you know, the way that it was described to me, it's like, there's a little cartoon character on your shoulder that kind of whispers in your ear and it starts picking up on stuff. The problem is, is that most people 
will only listen to that little voice when it becomes a shout. Mm. Okay. When things become way too obvious, like, you know, a married guy might've, you know, his intuition might've been picking up on his wife potentially cheating because her behavior changes and he doesn't actually listen to it until he comes home one day and he catches her in bed with this other guy. Right. So that's, that's usually when it catches up to guys. So the sooner that you learn to tune into your intuition and be attentive to what it's saying and, you know, own that shit, basically the better off you're going to be as a guy, if, you know, in my view. Right. So let, let's use that example real quick. Cause I, I'm, I'm really curious, like, how do you know in that, maybe you haven't lived that, but, um, how do you know it's intuition versus you feeling insecure in your relationship? Um, you know, there's a lot of times where I was told, oh, you're just insecure, but they were wrong. It was my intuition, you know, it's those spidey senses picking up on something that's going on. Right. So I tend now to pay more attention to my intuition than what people say, especially when it goes against, you know, what my spidey senses pick up on. How, uh, and this is another one right here. I mean, I'm so guilty of this myself. Um, how do you stay or how do you declutter the noise of, I mean, I live in New York city, Rich. Uh, I know you live in a big city. There's people out here that listen to this that are in big cities. Uh, and even people that aren't, you know, there's a lot of noise in today's day and age. There's social, there's all this fucking TV shit. There's just so much stimulation. How do you get quiet enough to be able to hear the whispers of that intuition versus the shouts that you were just mentioning? You got to turn off stuff, man. You got to, you know, you got to cancel your cable subscription. You got to stop watching the mainstream media. Um, I use Facebook for a private community that I run, but I use a, a plug-in Chrome uh, browser app called um, Newsfeed Eradicator, which basically gets rid of all everybody's opinions about their life and all the ads and everything. And all I can use Facebook now for is to run my private community. So. You just have to get good at turning off the noise. I mean, you know, with your mobile phone, turn off all the notifications, except for, um, like for example, on my phone, the only notifications that I ever get are either text messages or phone calls. And if, and if I get a, like the, if the phone is going to ring, it's because it's somebody that I've put in the exemption list of my notifications so that it does ring. If it's an unknown number, it goes right to voicemail. So you got to be fastidious with your time because like everybody's trying to steal it. Every, every device, every moment of your life, every time you pick up a screen somewhere, it's trying to steal your attention away from your purpose. So you have to get good at, at shutting down all that noise. Right. Right. I love that. Uh, Rich, last question for you here. If you made it to your ideal age in life, you've accomplished all that you've wanted to accomplish, continue to make an impact on your communities and beyond. If you could be remembered for one piece of advice that you give the world, and that's how people are going to remember Rich, what would that one piece of advice be? Chase excellence, not women. Boom. It's as simple as that, huh? Yeah, well, it, you know, it's easy to say, but it's hard for guys to execute because there's, I mean, you know, there's a sound bite, like there's this word today, simp, and there's a lot of simping for women today. Um, and it's, and it's hard for guys to abandon that, uh, strategy because they actually believe it works. I mean, most guys believe that it works. I mean, if they didn't believe that it, that it works and why are all these men throwing tens of millions of dollars at OnlyFans, um, hoping at some point they're going to get some exchange of intimacy for the money that they throw at them or cash apps or Venmos and da 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 and all sort of thing. And it's like, 
there's these sugar daddy sites and all this stuff where guys are throwing money at women. It's like simping's out of control. Take that, set it aside. Chase excellence, not women. Once you've got your life sorted, once you're putting a dent in the universe, once you've figured out how to make it rain, once you live in a masculine frame, women will be around you, right? It's, it's, it sounds silly to say, or like even here for some people, but it's like, yeah, you'll be spoiled for choice, believe it or not. So essentially what it seems like it comes down to is when you chase excellence, you attract versus going out to hunt. Is that correct? Yeah. Inbound marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's what, I mean, listen, it's, it's respectable. I, I think ultimately I, I, I very much so agree with you. Like I think everyone, even including women should essentially be, you know, focused on themselves, you know, and, uh, well, I, I, I don't know how, uh, Woo woo, this can get here, but, um, you know, to, to be able to draw something in and draw that right person in is more powerful than you going out and finding the wrong ones, you know? Yeah. Agreed. I love it. Rich, I appreciate this, man. I'm going to make sure all the socials, uh, where people can find you websites, where people can get the book, uh, listen to the podcast, YouTubes, all that good stuff is in the show notes of this episode. Definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hop on here, add value, uh, anything going on that we should make people aware of? Um, yeah, just check out my channel on YouTube, Entrepreneurs and Cars. Um, I do regular shows. There's one um, a playlist that I call The Unplugged Alpha, which is based on my book. So if you have got my book, you'll love the Unplugged Alpha podcast. It's on my channel. Otherwise, um, yeah, grab the book. It's on Amazon, print, Kindle, and Audible. I narrate it myself. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you did, leave a review on Amazon, just letting people know you got value out of it. Awesome. Rich, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm actually listening on Audible right now. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to have all that stuff in the show notes as mentioned. Thank you again, Rich. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 199 with our friend Rich Cooper. As mentioned, you can find his socials, his website, where you can get his book, YouTube, podcast, all that good stuff in the show notes of this episode. As I talked about earlier, a very interesting perspective in many different facets from Rich. Whether you align with it or not, it does broaden your horizons when you hear stuff like this, when you hear content like this. It really does make you think outside of your own conditioning. And you come to respect someone else's views on the world, on relationships, on business, on personal development and beyond. So shout out to Rich for dropping all of his cold hard truths here on Decoding Success. And thank you to you for listening as we're able to amplify it to you today. With that being said, make sure you are checking out the September 1st event going down in New York City. Get your tickets today if you have not. Food, drinks, music, networking, and more. It is going to be an absolute blast. Would love for you to be there for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.